0: Sounds different, huh? This is Travis Smiley. It is indeed, and I hope you, uh, you've you enjoyed our program today, celebrating the March on Washington 60 years later. We've had some great conversations. Uh, in case you missed any part of today's program, as we always say, check out the podcast. They'll all be posted later today. We started today's program, a quick recap. The first half hour, we were talking to Dr. John uh, D'Amelio about his book, about Bayard Rustin. It's called Lost Prophet, the Life and Times of Bayard Rustin. You can't have a conversation about the March on Washington without talking about one of the pivotal organizers and unsung heroes. We spent the first half hour talking about Bayard Rustin. In the second half hour of the first hour, Dr. William J. Barber, who I regard as uh, perhaps the greatest moral leader in our country today, who has picked up that mantle of leadership on the Poor People's Campaign that Dr. King had to lay down. Dr. Barber joined us in the first hour. Our second hour featured a conversation with Cornel West, our dear friend and brother who has officially launched his presidential campaign for the nomination on the Green Party ticket. Cornel West was our guest in the second hour. We recorded that conversation in Mississippi this weekend where he and I were together for the uh, annual Emmett Till um, celebration uh, weekend in the state of Mississippi. So we recorded that conversation at Jackson State this weekend and brought it to you today. We started this hour talking about uh, women and why they were left out of this uh, historic moment with Dr. Gretchen Soren on the top half of this hour. And we closed today's show. We say the best for last. Dr. Clay Warren Carson. Uh, he was Clay Carson then. He was just a teenager. And he was at the March on Washington. He had no idea as a young person who was actually turned on by Stokely more than MLK at the time. I'll let him tell his own story, Uh, but I know him so well. I know his story so well. He was there at the March on Washington as a kid, had no idea, could not have known that decades later Coretta Scott King would tap him to be the scholar in charge of the King Papers Project. You never know how your life is going to turn. I am always uh, perennially delighted to be in dialogue with our friend and brother, Dr. Claiborne Carson. Dr. Carson, how are you today, sir? Pretty good. How are you, Travis? Man, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. As I said, I'm always delighted. Uh, I can never have too many of these conversations with you. I'm always honored to be in dialogue with you. Um, a few things I want to cover in the half hour that we have. Let me start with you telling the story once again. I know it well. I want the audience to hear it. How and why were you at the March on Washington 60 years ago today?
1: Well, I grew up in a small town in New Mexico, and uh, Los Alamos, which was uh, had a, actually a fence around it. And it... So going to the March on Washington was part of my getting out of that place where I'd grown up and been so isolated and trying to figure out what was happening in the rest of the world. And, you know, I'd heard all this about the Civil Rights Movement and went to a National Student Association meeting in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective of New Mexico, Indianapolis was not that far from Washington, and I'd heard about these plans for the march. So uh, I kind of hitched a ride with... uh, Uh, NAACP group from Indianapolis and got there. And it was, it was an an event that changed my life because I had never seen that many people. I guess there had never been that many people in a civil rights, uh, demonstration before. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, people from all over the country. And, uh, and not just the events on stage, but, you know, everything about it, the marching around and, and, uh, you could tell that certain people came there with uh, the the kind of Stokely Carmichael perspective of the real movement. You really want to join the movement, join us in Mississippi, join us in South South Georgia, join us in Alabama, and all the places where the resistance was really tough. And that was the message I got from Stokely Carmichael, who at that time I just, I knew he was a student from Howard University. Yeah. And we were both students at at this meeting trying to get them to uh trying to get the student organization actually to say we strongly support the march. Yeah. And we couldn't really get them to do that. It was it was uh, mm. amazing that some of the um groups from southern universities were just unwilling to uh vocalize their support for the march
0: yeah let me break in uh, with some breaking news dr carson uh, for our la audience uh, this program is syndicated of course uh, we are grateful for that opportunity to be heard across the nation but for those in los angeles some breaking news uh in the case of mark ridley thomas longtime politician at one point the most powerful black politician in the state of california um just now sentenced to three and a half years three and a half years in prison uh in this federal case he will surrender on november the 14th he's been denied uh To stay out while on appeal we know he's going to appeal the case Um, the judge apparently has denied uh, his remaining free uh, during his appeal Uh, once again he will surrender on november the 14th he's been given three and a half years uh, in prison Uh, we were talking about this earlier uh, in the commercial breaks with my staff uh, asking me what i thought he might get and this is about what I thought he was going to get, um, as you'll recall. Again, talking to my L.A. audience, uh, forgive me for just a moment. But if you don't, know who, if you don't know who Mark Ridley Thomas is, you should read about him. I mean, this is a—it's a national story in the sense that uh, it's a continuing saga of African American politicians who the government has gone after uh, time and time and time again. Uh, Dr. Carson and I will talk in a moment about how the government went after Dr. King prior to the march. After the march, uh, they went after Dr. King. So when you when you uh, are uh, a certain kind of servant leader uh, in this country, and you are black, um, you should put on the whole armor because at some point they are going to come for you. Um, so once again, uh, Mark Woodley Thomas, a longtime politician in the state of California, uh, sentenced to three and a half years of prison time, uh, will surrender on November the 14th, uh, which means that he will not be allowed to stay out while this case is on appeal. Uh, The probation department, to show you how they do black folk, the probation uh, department in this case recommended an 18 month sentence. They recommended 18 months. The prosecution insisted and demanded on six years. How can the probation department over a one hundred thousand dollar alleged crime found guilty at this point? But uh, we're talking about one hundred thousand dollars here of his own money, not even taxpayer money, Hundred thousand dollars of his money. And the probation department wants you to serve six years. As I said, days ago, uh, the last officer in the case of, uh, George Floyd, his murder, the last officer was just sentenced a week or two ago. They gave him five years. I'm not talking about Derek Chauvin, but the, uh, the Asian brother who stood around and did nothing. He got five years for that. And they wanted MRT, Mark Woodley Thomas to serve six years for, a, a, a crime, um, involving hundred thousand dollars of his own money. Uh, And for that, uh, the judge sort of split the difference, which we thought, I thought she might do. So it's not six years. It's not 18 months, three and a half years. uh, Once again, um, surrendering to start his sentence on uh, November the 14th, he will not be allowed to stay out on appeal. So there's the breaking news for the L.A. audience and for those around the country who know Mark Witty Thomas. Again, it's been a huge story, even uh, on the national front. Um, There's the update on the Mark Willie Thomas case. Stay tuned in Los Angeles to to my hometown station, KBLA Talk 1580, uh, to Ariva Martin's show. Um, She'll be covering this, I'm sure, in great detail. Um, Tomorrow morning, Dominique Prima show, First Things First. So, again, for KBLA listeners in Los Angeles, uh, a great deal more to come throughout the day, uh, tomorrow, and the days ahead about what this means, um, given... um, that the sentencing of MRT is now official. When we come forward, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Carson, and as I said, get into some conversation about the way King, in fact, was targeted in his lifetime. I'm not comparing MRT to MLK. I'm just saying that when you're a black person and you love and serve people, um, there are moments where you uh, have to be prepared for them to come for you. We're celebrating the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington with Clay Carson on Tavis Smiley
2: your quarrel with the world. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory, of ideas? inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now.
0: Dr. Carson, we um, look back on Dr. King 60 years ago to this um, great speech. Uh, my view is, uh, knowing his uh, work uh, better than most, not as good as you. My, my view is that that's not even his greatest speech, even though he's regarded that way. There are a lot of other things I'd I'd put in competition with I Have a Dream, although he was amazing that day, 60 years ago, the day he killed it. But I wonder if you'd say a word, though, about the way that King is just one of a long line of politicians uh, who are are attacked for their beliefs and they they locked Martin up and uh, spied on him, did all kinds of things to Dr. King. And so it's important, I think, as we look back on this day, uh, to not just celebrate the speech, but to look at him. In a, in a 360 sort of way, and to see all that he had to endure beyond this great speech he gave six decades ago today.
1: Well, one of the things that comes to mind is that there was always this battle going on between uh, the establishment, the, the politicians in power at that time, and, and the movement. Mm-hmm. You know, the March on Washington was not just a march. It was a march for jobs and freedom. Mm-hmm. And it was... It was mobilized by Bayard Rustin, who was always under uh, FBI attack. Um, a. Philip Randolph um, had tried to do a similar kind of march not back in the 1940s. Um, and and of course, Martin Luther King, at the end of his life, what was his last campaign? It was a poor people's campaign to bring people to Washington, not just to march, but to stay there until something was done about the economic of American society. And uh so the Poor People's Campaign was his his last campaign. And of course he faced uh opposition from some people in his own organization. They said it was unlikely un- to result in what he was speaking. But but that notion that economics and politics go together is something that still is um something that many people don't want to recognize. Yeah. And that uh, they're willing to look at the civil rights side of it, that the economics of it are just as important. Yeah. And they certainly were to the organizers of the march.
0: Yeah. At, because you you've studied him better than most and certainly longer than most. Um, how how would you situate this moment in his re- essentially short life of, of being our preeminent advocate. How, how would you situate this moment in that body of work?
1: For for me, it was um, something that is part of the magic of the moment, you know, that uh, first of all, he was the last speaker, mm-hmm. the last speaker on the program. And he was scheduled to give a speech of five to seven minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then at the last moment, um uh, uh, Baird Rustin said, you know, if you need to take a little bit more time, you can do it. And if he hadn't gotten that encouragement to keep speaking, we wouldn't have I Have a Dream, because that was not part of the written speech. Mm-hmm. And he essentially became uh, extemporaneous for the last uh, seven or so minutes of the speech. Yeah. And and yet today, most people remember that part of the speech far more than the first part <laughs> of the speech that was, that was written out. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that it really shows his, his talent. And then uh, for me, as a uh, person coming to my first demonstration and hearing that, and, and of course meeting Stokely Carmichael, I stayed in touch with him until the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always more drawn to the... next side of the equation, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, Mm -hmm. people who were doing the um, projects in the Deep South, and and the voting rights campaign. And I think in some ways, we've got the pyramid backwards. You know, we tend to give a lot of emphasis to uh, civil rights legislation, not so much to voting and not so much at all to economics. Yeah. And I think it should be just the opposite.
0: No, I love, I love the way you make that point about how we need to flip that pyramid. I, I receive it, I accept it, and every time you say it to me, um, it, it makes perfect sense. Our remaining moments as we celebrate 60 years since the March on Washington, With Dr. Claiborne Carson, who was there that day as just a kid, uh, who knew that decades later he'd get a call from Coretta Scott King uh, as a scholar Asking him to be the person in charge of the King Papers Project. We'll talk about that when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Smiley.
2: What's up, party people? It's your favorite MC's favorite rapper, MC Light here, and we're celebrating 50 years of hip-hop authentically powered by Cadillac, and we're going to take it way back to where it started. It was only fitting that hip-hop began with teenagers at a back-to-school jam in the rec room of a South Bronx apartment complex by an 18-year-old brother. By the way, I'm also sure he had a Cadillac parked outside. He noticed the energy on the dance floor when he switched between two turntables, extending the beats, repeating the breaks, and never losing the rhythms. And that was the birth of hip-hop. And from that moment, it took off. For more on how Cadillac is celebrating hip-hop's 50th, visit Cadillac.com forward slash audacity.
0: boldly go where no man has gone before. Boldly
2: taking talk radio where it has never gone before. New vistas. New voices. New views. New visions. New victories. We're KBLA Talk 1580, and we're taking public media black. Black. black, black. What? Thank you. What, Mike, yeah. Yeah the california crusader newspaper would like to thank all of our subscribers for their support throughout the years proudly serving the south los angeles and south bay areas for more than 40 years the california crusader is a multicultural black-owned adjudicated newspaper that focuses on providing newsworthy information to the people in our community we're constantly looking for ways to assist businesses in our community to connect with our subscribers we provide low-cost effective ways to promote your business with our reasonable and affordable advertising rates you can participate by suggesting sharing and submitting your stories on the california crusader newspaper community share facebook group page or visit our website at cal-cruise-news.com that's cal-cruise-news.com. then click on the submit now button located on the top right corner of the home page or text ccn to 42828 again text ccn to 42828 the california crusader newspaper working together to build a better community for our future subscribe today today
0: Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. Dr. Carson, uh, you, you've done such um, such brilliant work uh, as a scholar over the course of, um, of your uh, career, ongoing, of course, at Stanford. I could have talked to you about Bide Rustin, given the book you've written about that. So many things I could have uh, uh, engaged you in dialogue about, but I didn't want to do this three-hour program today without having your voice as a part of it celebrating 60 years um, since the march on Washington, six decades ago today, uh, August 28, 1963. But the part of your story that I just it just tickles me every time I think about it. And, uh, you know you know me, we've had so many private conversations and dinners. But just the juxtaposition of you being a kid at the march on Washington, just a kid. And decades later in your career, Coretta Scott King calls you and ask you to be in charge of the King Papers Project. For those who don't know the story, at first you demurred. You didn't want to do it. You kind of reminded me of Martin. He didn't want to be the leader of the bus boycott in kind of Montgomery. At first you told Credit Scott King no a couple times. Well, you finally came around and agreed to do it. But what do you, all these years later, how do you read at this point in your life that that, that <laughs> those two things, those two dots, being at the march and then being asked by her decades later to be in charge of her husband's papers?
1: Well, it just shows that I, sometimes when I say maybe not, I really should be saying, "Yeah, I'm very <laughs> proud to do it because uh, you know I, I've learned I've learned so much." And and I, you know my my inclination was to uh, initially to study SNCC and and see the movement from the bottom up, but looking at the movement from Martin's perspective has been so enlightening to me and, and it's, it's just amazing in a in a sense uh that of all i was a stranger at the march mm-hmm. and yet in this sense i've gotten to know hundreds of the people who were at the march mm. and a few of many of them and uh and i think that 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 to me is the most remarkable thing not just Coretta. um But, you know, she was an important individual because one of the things I found out about her is that she was an activist before she met Martin. And uh, that that has always, uh, you know, phenomenal person. And I'm really glad that uh, we had those decades to work together and produce his papers.
0: I got 30 seconds here. I'll give it to you right quick. Um, What, to your mind, is the enduring legacy of this uh, iconic march 60 years ago today?
1: I think the legacy is that movements start out with individual action. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at something like Black Lives Matter, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have discontented people, and as long as they're isolated, they're not very powerful. And then at some point, they begin to march. They begin to become a movement. Yeah. that whole process is something that is, is almost magical in the sense of yeah. turning private discontent into political action. I love and it. And that's what we, we do today. Yeah. And it, it's, the same, it's the same problem. There's a lot of discontented people, but they're not attaching themselves to a movement to, to actually change the world.
0: Yeah. I, see all the, I see all the time. see all the nope i hear you i'm sorry i say all the time moment momentum movement starts with a moment somebody's discontented, as dr carson said that moment uh, builds momentum that momentum can in fact turn into a movement he's retired now from the uh, the king institute as its director at stanford he can stanford but he continues his work uh as uh, the leader of the world house project collaborating with other human rights advocates to realize king's vision of a global community which all people can learn how to live with each other in peace. We love and respect Dr. Claiborne Carson. Doc, thanks for your voice. Good to have you on our program today. All the best to you, my friend.
1: Great to talk to you, Thomas.